0: Hey, everybody, it's Eric Tornberg, co-founder, partner of Village Global, a network-driven venture firm. And this is Venture Stories, a podcast covering topics relating to tech and business with world-leading experts. Hey, everybody, welcome to another episode of Village Global's Venture Stories. I'm here today with two very special guests, returning guest uh, Ani Pai. Uh, and, and new guest, Shriya Navadia, uh, and we're here to announce the OnDeck Catalyst program. Uh, Shriya and Ani, uh, welcome to the podcast.
1: Thanks so much, Eric. Thanks.
0: Uh, so Shriya, uh, let, let's start with an introduction. Who are you and how did you come to uh, to run the OnDeck Catalyst program?
1: Totally. Thanks, Eric. Um, so I joined OnDeck about a year ago. I've been uh, doing operations on the Founder Fellowship and then First 50, which is for early stage employees, and now launching Catalyst. Um, the thing that I'm really excited about with this program is uh, helping amazing young people find new opportunities and build really strong relationships. I got I made my way into tech from a not kind of like feeder school, uh, Tufts in Boston, had really no network in the startup world and had to kind of hustle my way in, make lots of not so fruitful connections in order to eventually get towards the really high quality ones um, and then work at a couple of startups that were not working, but I learned a lot. Um, in order to make it here. And a couple of years ago, launched my own company, The Violet Society, where we were helping female non-binary people early in their career, start startups and find an amazing community. Um, and that brought me to OnDeck and led to me joining the team.
0: Awesome. Uh, we're excited to get into some of the, the the principles you learned there as it relates to Catalyst. But first, Ani, why don't you trace uh, your your background a bit for people who didn't listen to, to our other episode um, as to how you got involved with OnDeck?
2: Sure. Yeah. Thanks, Eric, for having me back again. Um, I think kind of the quick summary is so right now, at uh, OnDeck, uh, you know, was working on the growth side and then still doing some stuff on the Space Fellowship. And now Catalyst is, you know, I think very linked to both of those things. But just to rewind a bit, I think, you know, I grew up in the Bay Area. But then what was always in- interesting to me is that in the last 20 years, the barrier Area became sort of this ossified, very secular place. And, you know, you would think that a lot more would be happening. But the opportunities for young people at the same time seemed endless, but also limiting. And what I mean by that is that like, it was very endless if you were to do five different things, most of which would be like working at some fang company or somewhere in big tech It seemed limitless. But if you want to do something actually interesting, which I wanted to do, you know, something in space, uh, something in like, you know, genetic computation or, you know, actual like uh, what what I would call like things in the physical world and all those things. um, It, was very limiting because there were really no avenues to do that. And uh, on my side, I just literally messaged everyone I knew every day for like years to kind of make something happen. And that shouldn't be how it is because I was lucky to be in the right zip code, but a lot of people aren't right. And uh, if there was anything I could do to kind of fix that. And especially as we think toward the future, I think that like the future is at the same time going to be very connected and international, but it's also going to be unique in ways we haven't thought of. So it's, I think catalyst is, I, one of the iconic ways we will we'll be able to build something there. Awesome.
0: So Sharia, why don't you put a, some some, uh, some meat on the bones of, of what Catalyst is and how, how it different, differs from, from a lot of the other communities out there for a similar demographic?
1: Totally. So Catalyst is focused on young uh, future leaders of the industry. So if we had to like put a number on it, it's about in the first five years of their career. Super welcome to people who are like dropouts, career transitioners, something like that. Um, but generally, the program is going to be full of extremely ambitious founders, investors, investors, and operators um, who want to make a very big impact on the world um, and who want to leverage technology to do that. So, we're uh, looking at a really interesting cross section of people who probably can't find a lot of others who are like them in whatever circles they're in right now and bring them together uh, alongside industry leaders as mentors, guides, and basically super honest uh, workshop leaders and instructors. So, I feel like love listening to podcast episodes and going to large public events, but at the same time, maybe the experienced people in the industry are not going to be very honest in those. And so we want to give people a more kind of private space where they can tell the truth about things that have gone wrong in the past um, and give kind of that insider info to those uh, really ambitious young people.
0: Yeah. And I, I mean, one of the reasons why I'm so excited is because we've been talking about, in addition to all the reasons you mentioned, we've been talking about On Deck as sort of taking the bundle that is you know Stanford, the, the bundle that, that makes Stanford, which is the credentials, the education, the network and applying it to the life cycle of someone's entire career. And this is really the top of the funnel. You can imagine you know, people starting here and then uh, you know, joining any number of programs afterwards. And, and the flip side of that is that the people who join this program also benefit from all the leaders and all the other different programs and access to that community. Uh, and that could be you know very helpful uh, you know, mentor-mentee relationships. And, and, and to that end, I, I want to ask you about h- how you recommend that people getting out of college think about uh, mentor and mentee relationships. You've both been on bo- both sides of, of those relationships. W- w- what have you learned?
2: Yeah. So I think at the core and kind of the crux of the issue is that, and this is something that OnDeck really tries to solve, is that you know there's a problem in economics called the shadow room in macroeconomics, where in e- economies, you have people that are looking for something and you might find, let's say, the right employer... Or the right mentor, but they're not ready to receive you, and vice versa. Right. And that happens a lot. You might be in a different stage of, your, stage of your career, and they're not ready to take you in, and could be in the opposite way where they're looking to mentor and you're not at the right stage of life yet. And so I think what we can do, and I think what's very unique about our position right now, is the world is changing so quickly that no one has any idea what's going on. And wisdom at the same time is you know, something that people don't really think too much about, but it's something that's really needed, right? I mean, if you can have somebody that can kind of walk alongside you and, you know, kind of help you uh, shore up the edges of where you're deficient, I think that would really help a lot of people, especially as, you know, more and more people enter technology from all over the world, right? And if there's any way to kind of give back, even internationally, I feel like that's a really big thing to do. So one reason I'm super excited about Catalyst is kind of institutionalizing that and how do you make sure that everyone kind of gets the same access in experience and knowledge that, you know, so far only people from, you could say, the right schools have gotten that, which I don't think should be the case.
1: Yeah. And to build on that, I think that um, a couple of things that I find really important that are maybe not said enough uh, to young people who are who are seeking out mentors is um, a lot of people go straight for the biggest name they've ever heard of. And you'll have so much more luck reaching somebody who's a couple steps ahead of you and their star is on the rise. Um, and they're clearly doing something that aligns with your interests. Um, I would say, Eric, that when I reached out to you five and a half years ago, uh, you were still uh, not as hyped as you would soon become, um, and it was much more accessible to send you a cold message, reach out, meet up in person, work together on a project um, than it would be for someone to do that today. And um, I think also another thing that I, I we're going to definitely encourage many of the people to do in this is um, not go straight to the mentors and ignore all of the very valuable information that the people at their level can give them I think that there's a kind of harmful phenomenon that I sometimes see um, where where people act like you have to pass a certain bar of goodness in order for them to speak to you or give you the time of day um, and it's somehow this arrogance is like more prevalent in very young people than the rest of the industry and it maybe it's just because they haven't had enough years to realize that this stuff will come back to bite you <laughs> You yeah. you can't You can't dismiss a lot of people your age um, and say like, you're not good enough for me to work with you, answer your email, whatever. Um, And so I think that that's another thing. We want to make sure that people are low ego, really generous um, and want to learn from each other at the same time as they want to learn from the, the speakers and the mentors.
2: Well, I would, I would kind of take one hit at the mentor mentee relationship and kind of how people think about it, which is they think a lot of people I know treat it as a one-way relationship where they're taking from the mentor. Whereas the best people I've ever seen who have pulled off like amazing feats, a lot of them have had mentors, but I think one thing about them was that they had so much value that they could choose who they wanted as mentors. And that's because, you know, and I think one thing we can do really well here is, you know, show people that, you know, you have one life, make it as, as interesting as possible, do whatever you were going to do in the first place And the people that resonate with that will find you. And I think that's something that is not really talked about, especially in American life, where it's always like competing against someone else to get something in this very zero-sum fashion. But OnDeck, you know, was made to be positive some, and I think that's what tracks so many people to the community, which is that, you know, you can be the most interesting person possible, all the while making sure that everyone around you rises up. And I think, like a lot of fellowships do seem to have that status, this really egregious status competition, but I think you know, we're all very aware of this effect and mechanism. So I think, you know, we're well suited to avoid it and pivot out. It's interesting. I, um, I've mentored plenty of people and been mentored by plenty of
0: people and and still am today, but none of them, I even like think about as mentor mentee relationships, they're just relationships. And we just, you know, we've cultivated them by just having either similar interests or they were doing something interesting, or they thought I was doing something interesting, or we were just trying to help each other in, in, in some way. And so, yeah, just leaning in with the, the value uh, first and doing something interesting first is, is important. And then to, to your other points about it doesn't always have to be, hey, how can I find the, you know, the higher the person is on, on the status quo, the harder it is to offer them unique value and, and the less far that value goes in some ways. And so, um, you know, finding someone peers or even, you know, earlier in, in their trajectory than you is, is more powerful in the sense that if you can really help them, it's much more unique to them um, and they'll remember that. And what's amazing about um, technology relative to some other industries is that the social mobility is higher. And so, you know, Alexander Wang, for example, was an intern at Quora, you know, when he was like 18 or something, and then four years later, he's a unicorn CEO, <laughs> and you know I'm sure there were a lot of people who ignored him when he when he was an intern. But for the people that helped him, he probably let them invest and scale, and and um, really just remembers that. And that that's you know not every example is like that, but you do see those examples. And I, I met Alex and, and Lucy through this program, Interact, which is a, for young people, and also also a great program. And similarly within Catalyst. There will be people who will be, you know, just starting out in their careers who a few years from now will either be you know, unicorn CEOs or at unicorn companies or, or just doing really fascinating, interesting things that the relationships formed now will, will they'll remember that and it will have currency, uh, you know, a few years later when everyone is trying to to get in touch with them.
2: Well, Eric, you said something really interesting there, which is I think that you can kind of find people that are very interesting early on. And so there was this book that was written a while back, I think. Stephanie Colton was her name, maybe, but it's called the defining decade, basically why the twenties are the most important decade of your life. And to say that out loud would really get you a lot of ostracism, right? Like you can't really go to a cafe and Soma and just start talking about like, Oh, the twenties are the best decade because you know, everyone is just going to slander you at the same time. And, uh, you wonder why that's the case. Like, why is it that people are playing this game of, okay, do whatever you want in your twenties. And then you know, 30s to the new 20s. I think I saw a poster in LA a while back about how, like, you know, if you need adulting help in your 30s, call this number. And you're like, okay, that's not, you know, that's not really how it should be. But I think why that's the case is because we don't have anyone to learn from. So everyone makes the same mistakes all over again. And in the 30s, they're just realizing that, oh, wow, I just wasted a decade of my life. Not wasted in the, like, deep sense, but, you know, that they could have done a lot more. And I think, like, there's stuff like this. And... Through consistent help and advice, I think we can right a lot of that wrong and make sure that people realize like, you know, you have this amazing shot to be interesting. And the gains of technology with interesting people is the highest because in a month, two months, three months, you can go from a literal nobody to being a crypto influencer. And, you know, that that was my friend, right? Just basically a nobody. And he went on to raise a company um, to become one of the defining minds in crypto just because of his tweets. Yeah. Like, where can you see that, right? It's just impossible to see it anywhere else. And, you know, just avoid boring people in both connotations of the word, like Josh Wolf says, I think really helps a lot. Yeah.
0: Avoid boring others and avoid people who are who are boring. That's mm-hmm. fascinating. The crypto influencer is, is a great segue to this this other idea we, we've been going back and forth on, which is the idea of you should be more willing to take unorthodox Paths early on in career, or or explore, or be more risk tolerant or, or early in your career. Um, and, and my formulation of it is, you know, when you're later in your career, you are a better, typically better executor. You have more experience. You you sort of have, there's this like career version of innovator's dilemma where you're you know less likely to take huge risks because you've accumulated all this career capital, the social capital, this actual capital, these responsibilities. Um, whereas when you're younger, you you have more at bats. And so you're willing to t- to in theory, or you should be willing to take more at bats. You know, I spent three years of my life, uh, you know, working on this Zoom for freestyle rap company that didn't go anywhere. But you know, I, at the time when it was over, I thought I was you know this failure, and yet other people celebrated it, uh, or or just you know gave me another chance. And it's in, you know we, we remember people for their successes, not for the 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 things that they didn't succeed at. And particularly when they're taking a big swing, we celebrate the big swings. And so you know, going back to crypto for a second, what's interesting is that a lot of the crypto influencers or, or people who you know went on to start the big crypto companies or start the big crypto funds were, were young people. Were young people that didn't have that much going on from them otherwise that were okay taking that risk because they, they, they could. Um, and for other people, it just looked t- too dumb or it was too risky. And so being able to look Dumb or looks looks silly for a small period of time is a uh, is arbitrage opportunity. There's no better time uh, than w- when you're just getting started up.
1: I totally agree. I think that um, one of the other th- benefits of of building that that reputation in industry early, like like you said, that swing doesn't have to succeed. People respect you for the swing itself, and then you've already laid the groundwork. If you still continue to try and solve that same problem or build up in that same industry, I think that. Um, it's pretty hard for someone in the startup world to to continue trying to solve a problem and listen to others' good advice for years and years and not eventually succeed. I think that as long as you're like working super hard and looking around and actually responding to different signals that you get, it's like almost inevitable that, that something good will happen eventually. Um, I think that one example that I think of for my own life is um, this idea of being like a community builder and community leader was not, it didn't really exist. And it wasn't really respected in the world of startups, uh, maybe five, 10 years ago, it wasn't a lucrative career path. It was like, you could start like a nonprofit, like run a JavaScript community. And that got you some social capital. But I don't think it was nearly as highly valued as it is today, where tons and tons of early stage investors, founders, and super connectors are all using that as a badge of honor. Um, and the people who are head have been doing that for 10 years already, rather than trying to get on like the the community bandwagon right now.
2: Yeah, it's interesting Shriya says that because there is this dialectic between tech and Hollywood where it's like, you you know, there's like that Spider-Man meme where it's like, they're both pointing at each other and it's like, hmm, you know, you can't really tell the difference, right? They both look exactly the same. But I think the other thing that we want to add on to Catalyst, just like Shri was saying, is this sort of, I mean, I see the future going in two ways. I mean, for the people who've read my stuff or the last episode I did with Eric, I think the two main themes were the future will be way more international than people think. I mean, the population of Pakistan is bigger than that of Brazil. So just as uh, a word of warning, I mean, it's just going to happen this decade where all those people will be on the internet. That's first. The second thing is like the next decade will be littered with hard technology and it'll be filled with people actually working on deep problems like um, Chamath when he talks about solving inequality and climate change i mean the only way to do those things are not through writing more computer code in fact it's actually through building like very complicated systems to solve the hardest problems that the world has ever known and so some of those areas like we've thought about and um for me it might even be like stuff like additive manufacturing 3d printing or like space manufacturing or like you know uh one of my interests is in uh like creating a competitor, t- competitor, to TSMC and stuff like that, and that's those are all the themes that I think we can add in the fellowship to make this actually interesting for people that, you know, do want to build the future, right? Because the future won't look like the past; it has to be actually different. It's interesting, you know. One example of someone who's, who's done this
0: really well is uh, uh our mutual friend and on deck fellow uh, Alex with with NFTs, and you know, he he personally took uh, he made a personal token of himself, and some a lot of people sort of. You know, gave him. We're skeptical of that, but he's often been pursuing um, these sort of unorthodox, um, you know, sort of projects. And now he's sort of pursuing NFTs at a time where everyone else is now coming around to it. And he's had, you know, a, a year plus head start of thinking about it, building credibility within the community, uh, et cetera. He's, he's an amazing example of someone who was, uh, you know, willing to look dumb for a short period of time, and, and already in a short period of time, you know, looks very smart. Well, it, to that end, a, a lot of people receive a lot of uh, career advice. Sure. sure what, what do we think are some bad advice as it relates to either starting a company or, or otherwise charting your own path?
1: Totally. I mean, one that comes to mind is um when, when Elon was on Clubhouse, a um, lot of very interesting nuggets. One that I thought was like useful to a point, but maybe not always applicable was when someone said, what would you say to people who like want encouragement to be a founder. And he's like, if you need encouragement, don't be a founder. I think that's like totally fine to tell people um, maybe who are a bit older. But for people who are young and starting out, I think that what is underestimated is that it does take confidence to think that you alone can make a gigantic impact on the world, that you can lead a unicorn company, that you can run a gigantic fund. It's just that maybe the people who have done that, they forget all the people who gave them the confidence boost. And who helped them along and said like, yeah, of course you can do it. Like, yeah, like you're you're special, you're smart. Whatever it was that that helped them feel uh, empowered to do that. And so I think it would be nice if we didn't have such revisionist histories, um, and we were a little bit less uh, Harry Potter chosen one kind of oriented, and we were a little bit more um, like Steve Jobs quote where he says, everything around you in this world that we call life, it was made by people no smarter than you. That's that's something that I would definitely index on a little bit more heavily than like some people have the it factor. Some people don't. Oh, if 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 one person said you didn't, sorry, you're screwed. Don't try.
2: <laughs> I think that's why so many people to go back a bit choose to do on deck because it's almost like exponentially applying the Silicon Valley mindset to all these different fields that you know were ossified by by bureaucracy or by like five gatekeepers. And they can't really do anything, right? But then, you know, the model here has always been help people and move fast. And if you have a sufficiently high tempo and you're just helping lots of people, there's literally no choice but for you to succeed. Like, it's like a literal fact that if you just keep doing that, one of my friends told me recently that he was like, in the last 30 years of being in the Valley, everyone who kept trying eventually made it. People made it at different times. Sure. But the end goal was like, I asked him, did anyone fail? And he was like, not a single one. And I don't think people realize that in other places in the world, you can fail a lot. And if you fail, you're basically dead, right? There's no safety net. But it's a unique part of America and even more idiosyncratic part of America in the Valley that makes it so that if you just keep trying, you'll be able to win. And I think giving that opportunity and mindset to young people is something that can't be overstated, right? I mean, most of the seeds for the new companies like the biggest companies the world has ever known has been by people in their early 20s, right? So what's the next 20 years going to show? Probably the same thing in just wildly different areas.
1: And I think part of what keeps that feedback loop going quickly is learning from other people and hearing from other people and keeping kind of like a pulse on the industry as a whole. Up and coming verticals, areas that you should double down on. I think that there's a reason that we're launching a community program and not say writing a book to distribute these ideas. Not to say neither of us will ever write a book to distribute these ideas, because maybe we will too. Um, But I think that you have to keep trying and you also have to kind of get that feedback loop from everyone around you. It's it's kind of like starting a, a company and seeing if you're getting some early indicators of product market fit. You have to pay attention and listen to those signals. You can't just keep like heads down, going straight into product development for years and years on end, never really figuring out is this working?
0: A lot of this context was was helpful. L- let's go deeper into, into the program itself and, and what people can expect to, to, to get as a, as a part of this program.
1: Totally. I think um, there's some things that have worked so well for all other on-deck programs that we're definitely going to incorporate them and bring them back. Um, we have this big like kickoff event at the beginning, wrap event at the end, um, and they're basically just uh, very exciting a lot of people describe them as the most fun Zoom event they've ever been to, hope to replicate a lot of that energy for this. Um, and then in between, there is a curated uh, Slack community programming calendar resources. And really what we're trying to facilitate and um, help people do is make some a lot of shallow connections at the beginning and then double down and start making deeper connections after only a week or two really get to know the other people in their program and make these lifelong friendships rather than just kind of like collecting names. And uh, the other thing that is is a high priority for a lot of our sessions is, um, like we were saying before, creating a vulnerable enough space for the speakers and mentors coming in to be very honest with this group, potentially more honest than they would be in another public forum.
2: Yeah. And just one last thing I'd like to add to Shriya's point, which is that There are a lot of, like, this is not the first fellowship of its kind. This is not unique in the way that, you know, this is the first time it's been tried. What I think is actually unique here is that, you know, between Tria and I, we really don't want more people that have just been playing the game. And, you know, when you say that, you already have five people in your mind that you think of, right, that are amazing at playing the game. You know, maybe they've just had, like, it all sorted out for them since they were kids and their parents did everything, whatever. But these fellowships are littered with those types of people, and I think especially in our application process. We want people that have actually done interesting things. I think the only question that Elon asks when he hires people is, you know, what's the most technically intense challenge you've ever worked on? And for us, I think it's not even that complex. It's just like, you know, like Ceteris Paribus, like what's the most interesting thing thing you've done in all respects? And really that carries you, not, you know, like these identity politics and all those things, but it's really like, you know, what you've done, like have you made an interesting life for yourself and all those things? And I think, you know, if people have that, they'd be perfect for On deck Catalyst because uh, ultimately, that's all we want, right—to be around interesting people, work on interesting problems, and do stuff. And I think this is the best best place in the world to do it. That's a that's a perfect place to wrap.
0: Uh, you, for people who want to go deeper, you can check out uh, beondeck slash catalyst. My guests today have been are, are the co organizers of, of of Catalyst, Shreya Navadia and Ani Pai. Uh, Shreya, Ani, thanks so much for coming to the podcast.
1: Thank you.
2: Thanks.